Hi, and welcome to Kiskadi, where we explore women-identified, gender non-conforming, and gender-expensive communities across the Americas, and how we are creating a post-pandemic future grounded in justice, abundance, and hope, and how you can be part of it. I am Bia Vieira, inviting you to join us in this journey and in action. I am so, so excited to introduce everyone to Maria Bungie. I've been working with Maria with the Culture Change Fund at the Women's Foundation California for the last three years. If you don't know Maria, you are going to love her as much as I love her. She is an amazing, insightful person. And she has started this amazing organization with a number of other folks, Harness. So we're going to talk a little bit about her journey, the journey of the organization, and also the journey of working in entertainment as a community organizer, as a multicultural justice seeker. So I'm really pleased to be with you, Maria. Thank you. As an Asian American woman, I just want to send you much love, much support, um, to be in solidarity with you and with community and in community. And it reminds us, of course, the importance of the work that we're doing in terms of narrative and culture change. Thank you for having me. And also, you have the most incredible podcast voice. I feel so calm and relaxed while we're having this conversation. I do want to say that I'm a South Asian woman that wears a hijab, which means that people are confused about my background. They don't usually think of me as Asian. They think I'm Arab. They think I'm something else. And so I say that because while I identify as Asian, um, I often don't present in the world as Asian and especially as East Asian. But I will say that my staff, we have two um, staff members who are East Asian. And so at our staff meeting this Wednesday, we held space. We did some deep breathing and folks were able to just share. The reason why I think that's important mm -hmm. is because I think that oftentimes we normalize this type of violence and this type of hatred. And I think we move past it too quickly. We go from learning to doing rather than taking that pause and saying, what does this mean? Can I experience this? Uh, what does it mean for me personally? And how do I move forward and make a meaningful choice about how I'm going to respond? And um, and so for Harness, I think often we're in that in-between space between learning about something and then doing something. We are a community of artists and activists, leaders who have come together and we believe in the power of storytelling to change the world. We call our work cultural organizing, which is using the power of culture, right, to really move forward social justice. And so in the context of this week, you know, I really told my, my staff that identified with this issue personally that they had the space to do what they needed to do. And they decided that they wanted to do a rapid response meeting, gathering of the Harness community. And so today, actually earlier today, we held a gathering of about 70 artists and activists. Um, and those included everyone from Heather Ray, who's like um, a Native American filmmaker, to um, Bo Sia, who is an Asian Tony Award winning spoken word poet, to, you know, just like an incredible array of like actors, directors, producers, and then movement leaders. It was multiracial, um, which I thought was really important. And we had um, a few speakers speak, including somebody who was an organizer from Atlanta um, and knew the community down there. And then we just held space for people to process. 
and uh, there were so many people who shared their personal experiences and just made meaning of the moment and said, oh, ever since I was little, I've been the butt of a joke. And I'm finally recognizing that's not okay. And so, and I think that type of work, that type of recognition and community building and collective grieving is incredibly important towards changing our culture because our culture is not about recognizing these moments, right? And, and it's really important in order to be disruptive to actually really truly give us ourselves a space for healing and for connection. So, yeah. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I remember when COVID hit, you know, you were holding those weekly gatherings, which I participated in, and it was so inspiring. There was so much fear, and it was just a very scary time. And, you know, in the last year, the last four years with the Trump administration, and then, of course, the last year with uh, the elections, I mean, that is something that I feel that Harness has stepped in in this space very prominently and with a lot of integrity and a lot of heart to say this is a moment of reckoning for us. So can you talk a little bit about how you did that, your journey? You know, also, I want to lift up that Harness was started by some stars and then talking about, you know, what is that like, you know, to, to live in this multitude of uh, complexity of worlds. Yeah. Yeah. We bring in proximity some of the most powerful people in the world with some of the most vulnerable people in the world. <laughs> so right. it's a, it, uh, it is complex. Um, yeah. So harness was started by America for Wilmer Valderrama and Ryan Pierce Williams, America and Wilmer um, might be known to some of the listeners as actors, producers. Um, they both have been on very well-known shows like ugly Betty and that 70s show. Um, and they are very prominent leaders in Hollywood, especially now around creating different forms of content. Hardest was actually started in response to the 2016 presidential election. After the um, our previous president, who I will not name, um, was elected in 2016, um, America decided to pull together her community. She connected with Wilmer and they did a gathering in his living room. And from that gathering, um, they, they brought leaders from some of the most vulnerable communities who they were worried about. And those leaders said, we need this, we need this, we need this. And people in the room said, we've got you and we're going to make this happen. And there was this incredible synergy where all of this magic happened, where people were able to make a tremendous difference in the span of one conversation. And so... You know, uh, that really reaffirmed for America and Ryan and Wilmer the power of holding space of proximity, as Brian Stevenson often talks about, of um, connection and the importance of relationship and community. And so we set out to build a community that believes in the power of culture and storytelling, but it brings together some of the top movement leaders in the country. So the founders of Black Lives Matter, organizers from Standing Rock, undocumented leaders, et cetera, with you know, some of the most established artists in the world, whether that be Katy Perry or Alicia Keys, or, you know, you can mention um, many, many names. And so during this last election, this last election felt like the culmination of the last four years of what Harness was trying to do. And we did a lot last year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is an understatement. <laughs> yeah. 
we tripled in size, staff, budget, all of it during a pandemic, which was insane. But um, as you mentioned, in the beginning of the pandemic, we were really trying to hold space and have these weekly gatherings for our community. And then um, one of my staff members, Ali Young, is a Navajo um, Nation citizen. And she lives in LA, but she wanted to go back home to her reservation when the pandemic started because she said, I'm so worried for my community. You know, a third of the reservation doesn't have running water um, and electricity. It's going to be devastating. So we worked with her to launch a project called Protect the Sacred, which has been all about protecting elders and community members, first in Navajo Nation and then across the country. And we've expanded that a bit around the election. And we did a lot of power building. We did a lot of census outreach in Navajo Nation. And then we did a lot of electoral kind of voter registration and voter turnout. You might have seen Ali's Ride to the Polls um, video, which was in the New York Times and Michelle Obama featured it. We also did, a, it's not it's something that's not as well known, but is maybe one of my favorite things we did last year was we did a um, drive-in movie theater night, Navajo Reservation with a New Hope, the first uh, Star Wars movie dubbed in Diné. Then Mark Hamill was, was on brilliant. Mark Ruffalo and yes. you know, some of the Avengers. They talked about the importance of reclaiming your power to vote and all of that. So that was also one of my favorite things. Yeah, that was one of the projects we did. Another project we did was with Black Lives Matter. Um, we've been working with Black Lives Matter and the movement for Black Lives since Tarnas was founded. Patrice Cullors spoke at our very first event oh, wow. um, along with Janae Khan, Melina Abdullah, other kind of leaders. And so um, after the George Floyd murder, Patrice came to us and said, I need harness. And so she said, we're being inundated. We need the artists. We need the support. And so we put together an emergency salon that had hundreds of artists whose cumulative reach was hundreds of millions of people. And at that salon, Patrice unveiled the call for defund the police and encouraged them and convinced them that this was the mainstream call that, that Black Lives Matter was asking for. And our artists went out and they did it. And um, they weren't the only ones who did it because there was the movement itself obviously was doing the work, but the artists really helped amplify this call to the mainstream audiences. Um, and within two days, we saw defund the police become a mainstream slogan, which was incredible. And it, you know, launched a conversation around policing that we still feel the ripples of. It's amazing. That quick change is something that only culture really can do. And I just wanted to say that how amazing that is. And during the pandemic, because we're in a crisis and because of the reckoning with racism and patriarchy and the white supremacy, all of it in one, that we've been able to move conversations in a way that we haven't before. And that has really been because of cultural actors. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I would say it's it's both, right? It's like the activists showing up and the artists showing up and everybody being in deep relationship and trust with each other. And I think that that type of absolutely. community being built is transformative. It can really change the world. And I think that's what's, what we've seen. We worked with the movement for Black Lives for the rest of the year on the Breathe Act um, and really, you know, starting to get the Modern Civil Rights Act um, moving on Capitol Hill, which we've been really excited to work with them on. Um, So that was a second. Um, A third campaign. (laughs) I don't know if you want me to keep going. Do you want me to keep going? I know how much you've done. (laughs) And I do want to, you know, give folks a sense of what you've done. But I also want to take this opportunity um, to also learn about your journey 
because I know you started as an organizer, as an activist, and you moved into this space of cultural organizing, which, you know, organizing is organizing, but it is a little bit different. And just your journey and also, um, you know, your learnings through this process. Yeah. It's so strange because um, the first time America emailed me, I like didn't respond. Um, <laughs> so that'll give you a sense. Of- so did you know America before? Of course, I'd watched Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, but I was like, I grew up in Southern California. No, no. Did, how did she email you? Did oh, she have your email? How did that happen? Yeah. Well, let me tell you the story. Let's. It's a. It's a real story. So let me tell you the story. I come from Southern California. I legitimately have had zero interest in Hollywood, even though I'm from here. Never, never was interested. I grew up as an organizer. I'm a, you know, visibly identified uh-huh. Muslim woman who was a sophomore in high school when 9/11 happened and dealt with all the things that you would think you would have to deal with after that bullying and all the things except I was a scrappy uh-huh. kid and I was like I'm gonna fight back when I graduated from college I really took myself on a journey and I said you know I want to invest in my own skills there's so much that I want to learn where can I learn you know how to be the best leader I can be for my community and those questions led me into doing right. a whole host of things you know I worked on different campaigns um, whether that's like electoral campaigns I worked in labor I worked in media I um you know, worked as a strategy consultant, you know, and then I went to USC for my master's. And um, after I got my master's at USC, um, which was in early 2016, I left and I was getting recruited to work at a philanthropic organization. I had just finished grad school and I was like, I need to get out there and build something. I need to get my hands dirty. I'm not interested in sitting behind a computer right now. Right. And so as I'm feeling Uh this way, um, I, you know, the 2016 presidential election is happening. And I'm looking at the toxic conversations that are happening. And so I decided to leave my job and to basically start my own organization. So I started my own company and I wanted to build a social impact Uh consulting firm that was providing low bono services to institutions that serve low-income communities of color and a strategy impact consulting helps connect them with philanthropy, all of those things, right? And for some bizarre reason, Hollywood kept calling and I don't know why. So uh, this is where America comes in. So I just started my company and um, I had a friend, um, Linda Sarsour, who's one of the co-chairs of the Women's March. Her friend is Michael Skolnick, who is also kind of one of the founders of Women's March and also behind many, many social movements in America. And he was connected to America. And so America told him, I need to really be connected to a local Muslim leader because they were pulling together that meeting at Wilmer's house and they wanted leaders from all the kind of most impacted communities. So she said, can you send a Muslim leader in LA? And so Michael asked Linda and Linda said, oh, they need to talk to Maria. I was out of the country at the time. So I wasn't able to make it to the meeting. But America was persistent, which I have to give it to her. She was like, no, this is going to happen, right? And so um, she was like, we're getting lunch. And I was like, okay, we're getting lunch. And I remember walking into this restaurant in West Hollywood. And the guy at the counter could not give me the time of day. He like literally would not even look at me. you know. Mm-hmm. And then she walks in and he falls over himself. <laughs> you know, I got it. I got it. Right. And um you know, my first conversation with her, I mean, I'm, I joke about it now with her, but like we had an incredible lunch where we talked about our grandmothers and, um, and the, you know, power of family and, sto- you know, just like your story 
your family's story. And she said, I'd love for you to help us with just like this work that we're doing. And I was like, sure. But you know, again, very uh-huh. skeptical, very skeptical. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. As a Muslim, I'm really skeptical of Hollywood. I was because right? mm-hmm. my community had been horribly represented for at that point over a decade. Right. And it was terrorism. It was like, that was it. And I mean, there was a lot of campaigns, a lot of work done by community organizations to try to change that and nobody ever listened. And so I was like, no, Hollywood is, you know, they don't care. They don't care about communities. They, they want to tell the stories that they want to tell. That's it, you know? Um, And I just, I had a perception of artists and not specifically artists, but I would say actors as being kind of flaky, maybe wanting to like something just because it's trendy, but not really like for the long term. So, Yeah. Interesting. And then four years later, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's such an uh, interesting story. And I'm so glad yeah. that, I mean, it shows she's a producer, right? She's going to be super <laughs> persistent, <laughs> but I'm so glad she did because uh, I have heard in some of the gatherings, the Harness fourth year anniversary, I heard America say, we would not be harnessed without you, Maria. And, you know, that's certainly my experience. And I am going to share with the listeners that, you know, this week, another thing that has happened is that Maria has shared with the community that she is leaving Harness and has an amazing opportunity to work with Disney. And I said to her, this is a great win for the field. This is a wonderful thing. And I'm really going to miss you. But, you know, I'll come after you as well. Like, we'll connect there. You know, given that you also had to spend this week sharing the news with your staff, with all of the community and all of that, I wonder, and and it might be too soon, so what comes to mind when you think about, I had this four years of experience and these are the things that comes to mind right now. Yeah. No, thank you for asking. Yeah, I've been... I've been very emotional. It's it's been really a hard transition. I um I will be taking a vice president role at Walt Disney Studios and have an opportunity to impact, you know, um, storytelling on a global scale, which is really really incredible. Um, and it's also really heartbreaking to leave Harness. Um, I wouldn't I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't looking for a job, and um you know it's an incredible opportunity right. that changes your life. Um, and I'm grateful for it. And I have to say like. And I told Disney this when they called, I said, I'm really happy. You know, I love the community we've built. I love the organization. I love my team. And uh, I've cried probably every day um, <laughs> just because Aww. I'm tearing up a little bit yeah. right now. I um, think that we have people, even just the event we did today, I, I just think we function from a place of soul and heart and about, you know, we truly believe. Yeah. In, in witnessing and in connecting and in learning from each other. Um, we are able to have immense impact, but I think the the reason we're able to have immense impact is because we take the time to build deep relationship and trust. It's why undocumented leaders will call us. It's why, you know, Ali was like, I need to go back to Navajo, Navajo yeah. Nation. And yeah. artists feel comfortable I totally agree. talking to us and working with our community because they know that they're not going to feel like it's transactional and they're going to be seen as human beings that are part of the movement, right? Rather than a means to an end. And so um, I think that remembering and modeling beloved community and modeling how to like be in space intention and heart I think is is the biggest takeaway I'm going to take from harness so Mm -hmm. that's so beautiful 
I have also heard you talk about joy and the importance of joy in this movement. And I'm also wondering if you can think about and share with us this past year during COVID, I think all of our relationships have become so intense because we're all experiencing this pandemic together, plus everything else that has happened. And so I'm wondering, thinking about that, thinking about the intensity of the relationships and you know, I think I, about... I know where you're going, which is just about, you know, how do we how do we incorporate joy in this moment, you know? Joy. Yes. Yeah. Joy. <laughs> Again, joy. <laughs> and yeah, the intensity of our experiences right now, how do we bring back joy? And I think um, you know, there's a few things I would say here. The first is that as much as possible, one of the things that we're trying to do as an organization is you can be on Zoom nine to nine, honestly, right? And sure. like, do you need to be on the computer? You know, can you can you walk and talk? Can you sit in the grass and feel that? Can you be out in the sun? Really grounding yourself, being in the moment, feeling the things around you, you know, um, I think those are really important. I think the other things that are really important is like, you know, my staff, the reason why I have so much confidence in them is because there's true relationships that have been built. And a lot of that comes from, you know, we're, right. we're going to hang out and watch a movie together online. We're going to like do these things that like just make sure that people feel safe and trusted and held and seen, you know, and that then opens up the door to joy. Right. And so I think having intention to actually meaningfully connect with people is really important and, and making sure you're present as much as possible and away from the digital, if you can be. Um, and then making time, especially for the movement folks, to just yeah. chill, you know, and relax yeah. and just build connections. Well, thank you, Maria. Of course, I am just so grateful to have been able to work with you for the last three years. I know that the Culture Change Fund community is incredibly grateful. And I can't wait to see how you're going to transform the Disney Studios. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm there to turn over the table, Bia. I'm there to break. I know. That's the best. <laughs> Yay! I can't wait. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm really excited. I think, um, you know, I think things are changing, and that is just really, really incredible. I feel like the fact that we're finally um, seeing the type of change in the cultural sector that we need means that there's so much more opportunity for greater justice for all of us. So. I'm excited uh, for the opportunity. I love this community. I think the, this community is so powerful. It can be so transformative. Um, and I'm excited yeah. to see what the next four years bring, you know? For sure. So are we, and I hope that we are part of it as well. Thank you, Maria. Thanks for joining me for this conversation. If you want to learn more about our guests, their work and campaigns, and how to get more engaged, Go to medium.com slash Kiskadi and follow us on social media. We would love to hear from you. Kiskadi is executive produced by Bia Vieira, produced by Wanda Costa of Starlet Productions. Original music composed by Maxine Solomon. Original artwork by Yasmin Hernandez, Wanda Costa, and Nicholas Schultz. Graphic illustrations by Kay Dugan Morrell of Illustrating Progress. 
A very special thanks to all of our guests and supporters, the Women's Foundation California, the Culture Change Fund, and you.